GM, it's Bobby Hundreds, and you're listening to the 10th and final episode of this first season of Bomb Talk by Adam Bomb Squad. You know, I decided to do this weekly live Twitter Spaces talk show to help onboard the community, not just our own from the Hundreds and ABS, but anyone out there who was curious about NFTs, but was maybe intimidated or overwhelmed with some of the more advanced podcasts on the subject matter. So the way I wanted to do it was not to focus on the tech or the mechanics, but to show you, along with sophisticated members from our Atom Bomb Squad family, how NFTs are impacting as well as problem-solving different areas of our daily lives. I eased you into the discussion by simply talking about collecting and how to view NFTs from a streetwear lens. I introduced you to female founders of NFT projects who walked you through their journeys. We conversed about NFTs and art, photography, NFTs and music. We also talked about responsibility in collecting, buying, and trading NFTs. I wanted to end this first season on a hopeful note. As NFTs get louder, as you've seen, the backlash is also fomenting. The technology is bewildering people, making them feel uneasy and insecure, and that's fair. There are also some legitimate arguments surrounding environmental harm due to energy usage. But NFTs can also do a lot of good in this world. And so today, I have the legendary Tommy Smith joined by activists and artists, Glenn Kano and Jesse Williams, along with my friends, VNL and Wilhelm, to share their project called Pass the Baton, which is making philanthropy fun, fast, and tech forward. I'll be back soon with the second season of Bomb Talk. 2021 was just the beginning, and I'm proud of all of us who contributed to the Web3 Genesis this year. We made history and the future. GM, everyone. GM. Bobby Hundreds, you're listening to Adam Bomb Squad Presents Bomb Talk. This is my weekly podcast, talk show, live Twitter spaces, where I invite different guests from the Adam Bomb Squad family and community to come in and talk about all things related NFTs and Web3, but especially centered around certain topics and themes. In the past, we've done episodes on NFTs in art, NFTs in photography. We had a special episode with Gary Vaynerchuk and talking about NFTs and responsibility. We started the entire season off with Steve Aoki, just talking about NFTs and what it looks like from a collector's mindset, because he's just a big collectibles collector guy in general. Uh, We had an episode that was around building your own projects with the Ethereals and Deadfellas. Just so happened they were all amazing women founders in the room, and in the upcoming future, we'll be having more episodes that will be dedicated to that subject as well. This episode of Bomb Talk is themed around NFTs and philanthropy, which is a conversation that I believe will be getting only louder in the new year and the coming year, just because, hey, look, to whom much is given, much is required. And there's so much money floating around and moving around this space that we need to all take the responsible effort together, collectively, to put them towards causes and needs that are under-addressed and underserved. And so um, that's what today's episode will be about. If you're just tuning in, if you're just tuning in, I'm Bobby Hundreds. We have a collection called Adam Bomb Squad. It's 25,000 NFTs. They look like these fun little cool little Adam Bombs or little cartoon bomb characters. Three of them, Adam, Batam, and Madam. It's been out for a few months now, but you can pick them up on the secondary market. They're on OpenSea. If you're new to NFTs, OpenSea is kind of like the StockX or the eBay of NFTs. And when your NFT sells out right away, which ours did, that's not the end of the journey. It's actually just the beginning. It's all about the secondary sales because one of the great and most magical parts of NFT technology is that the artists get a share of the upside, the royalties in the secondary sales that go along forever. And that is actually, if, if you're unfamiliar with how the art space works, this is never how it's been for artists. They, they usually, they have art, it sells, and then the auction houses, the, whoever that bought it, you know, sells it later and makes all the money. The artist doesn't see or recoup any of those royalties off of that art. 
So the blockchain now makes it allowable and accessible so that all artists can get a fair percentage of royalty that they build in to the smart contract from the very beginning that continues to serve them. It's a really, really amazing thing. And so if you see NFT projects out there and you just assume it's sold out, it's done. That's not how it works. It's all about continuing to trade them and bidding on them and passing them around to spread the love. Uh, This episode of Bomb Talk for this week, I try to do this every Monday afternoon. Today, uh, we have a very special, special guest with a series of special characters um, because we're talking about one project in specific that I believe is going up for pre-mint tomorrow. It's called Pass the Baton. Uh, We have a very special guest, Olympian Tommy Smith is in the room he is the most dominant sprinter of all time he's broken 13 world records he simultaneously held nine um we have glenn kino the artist glenn and tommy smith have been working together hand in hand for the last decade or so just working on all kinds of cool art projects and charitable causes uh, Jesse Williams is here as well, and, and he'll talk about um, his point of view on the project and, and hit what his role is. And we also have Victor, a good friend of mine, a good friend to many activists, many of the friends and the people up on stage. He's also part of the ABS family. He's gotten into NFTs this year like, like all of us have. <laughs> and Victor, is, I wanted to pick his brain also on just what activism and philanthropy and charity looks like in Web3, you know, we talk about many things when it comes to this new technology and the blockchain and crypto. And we rarely talk and we don't talk enough about how we can use it for charity and for positive causes and to help others um, through organizations like this. So without further ado, uh, I, I, I'm assuming everyone is going to be now uh, up on stage. We have Glenn in the room. We have Jesse. We have Tommy here. Uh, VNL, who's Victor, is we will uh, be inviting him to speak as well. All right, let's see if we can get these guys in. And Jesse, from what I understand, wherever he is in the world, it is very late at night. And so we're very, very, very grateful and appreciative that he's joining us today on Bomb Talk. Um, one, one more thing before we begin, I want to remind everyone that there are POAPs associated with every show. Uh, I'll be inviting Sandy from the Bomb Squad upstate on the stage later to uh, explain how that works. But in the meantime, uh, we'll be dropping a tweet up above that explains a little bit of how this works. Um, all right. Is everyone up on stage? I think we should begin with Glenn and Tommy and Jesse. You guys there? Yeah, thank you, Bobby. Right here. Hey, how are you doing? How are you guys doing? Wonderful. Thanks for having us, man. Jesse, thank you very kind. Yes. I, I believe we woke you up in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just my that's just my daytime my daytime Teddy P voice. <laughs> well, we won't hold you for too long. Um, I just wanted to, you know we have a really big day tomorrow. You guys are launching. This project is called Pass the Baton. And Glenn, how did this project come about? Maybe we should begin with talking about what your relationship has been like with Tommy and how you two even met so long ago. And for people who don't know Tommy, like maybe the most recognizable, the most, the, the strongest point of reference is he's the one raising the fist at the 68 Olympics in Mexico City. Um, one of the most iconic moments in sports history. Uh, and then that has opened up generations of, of amazing work that he's done. But Glenn, you you and Tommy got in touch what ten years ago now? Yeah, almost ten years ago. Um, it, it's a it's a fun story. First, I mean, thank you, Bobby, for having us. Um, you know, the timing is fantastic. And I'd say when I first saw Adam Bombs, you know, one of my favorite games growing up was Kaboom. Uh, and and uh, you know, the bombs are are, are dope, uh, and, and we love them. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, Tommy's image for everyone in the room, um, you know, is, is time magazine calls it, you know, one of the most hundred important images of all time. You know, it's, it's a picture of him and his teammate, John Carlos and Peter Norman up on the podium. Um, and I had, a, it was inspiring to many. 
I had a picture of it taped to the corner of my iMac in the lower right-hand corner, and a friend of mine walked into my studio one day, and he pointed at it, and, and I didn't know anything about Tommy at the time, and he said, oh, Coach Smith, you want to meet him? And I was like, wait a minute, hold on. Coach is only the term you call someone who you actually know who's been your coach. Uh, and sure enough, he connected us. Uh, Tommy graciously invited me into his house, you know, sat me on his couch, and then on the first meeting, you know, he he played the race that he won um, you know, in slow motion and narrated it step by step. And I got chills. It was it was, it was uh, remarkable. And um, an hour on the hour, his his wife, the Lois, who I know is listening, is is now is all of our bosses. She's amazing. She she was she's also his manager and and, and rightfully you know protects his interests. Um, cut him off and said, Tommy, shut up, Glenn. Why are you here? <laughs> and I said, Well, she's Tommy will talk all night long if you let him. But when you know what you're here, and I, I said, Look. I'm a conceptual artist. I'm not here to sell you anything at all, but I have an observation, if I may. And they, they, they graciously said, what is it? And I said, you know, it strikes me that you live in a bit of a time bubble. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I was born after that happened. So for me, it's always been a symbol. But for you, it's very personal. You know, you brush your teeth with that hand. You drive with that hand. You shook my hand with that hand. But the rest of us, we just know the hand up in the air. So what if we could collaborate you know, on a series of projects that functions in the now allowing you to be a witness for the first time of this rich history, you know, that you've inspired in all of us. And, and graciously, they said yes. And um, what they said, what's the first thing to do? And I, I said, I'll take the arm off your body. And they said, wait a minute, what are you doing? And I said, no, I'm going to make a cast of it. Um, and so we made a, We made a cast of his arm and um, began to create you know, some sculptures with it. Um, the, the most notable one is a, a large sculpture called Bridge that just got acquired by the Smithsonian um, Museum of American Art um, and, and we're excited about. But, you know, really the first 10 years has been Tommy and myself, you know, collaborating to bring his story to the public in a, in a, in a new way. And, um, you know, we throughout the, the history, you know, Jesse and, and, and a lot of our team have helped contribute in many ways to doing that. And we pivoted over the last few years because all of that work was documented in um, an Emmy nominated film that we made called Withdrawn Arms. And, and uh, we thought, well, that, that work is great, but what's the next step? You know, what is the legacy of this work? What is the legacy team? And then one of the objects that Tommy had in his in his, you know, considerable cache of, of really great cool stuff you know was a was the actual baton that he used to break three world records and when he got home from that he he actually used that 1970s red label maker tape and he put his name and his teammates names and their split times on it and i looked at it in immediately and i was like oh look this is a beautiful sculpture but it looks like a lightsaber and everyone's lightsaber is unique and so i said what if we could deconstruct it and rebuild it with a new legacy team um, and that's when we really got rolling because we decided instead of you know, his running teammates, we would try to assemble a coalition of activists from around the world, which we did around the country. And, um, and that's how this project uh, began. So to get this correct, there's 7,862 batons, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and that baton, I didn't, I didn't know. Four, yeah. Ah, that's okay. And, and these batons, they're the actual, we're looking at the actual baton. That, that's Tommy's baton. Tommy, is that right? Very correct. And they're digitally uh, uh, preempted of the truth of the baton that I have uh, in hand and activity. And uh, they're there. Uh, they're waiting. Uh, and they, like Glenn said, they look like, uh, oh, I guess uh, some type of lollipop. It passes a tickle in me because actually uh, the sweetness of it does ring. Uh, in the realm of actuality, and I can look at it now as sweet it may be, but hard is very real, and that's what this program is all about, working hard and passing the baton to those who look at work and look at the digital form of the actuality, what, it, what, what actually it is, sends a message of, of don't drop it, keep it moving. Yeah, that's actually the other part of the story is, is you know, on one of our crazy uh, missions that we did together, you know, we were actually able to connect Tommy and President Obama in the Oval Office. And, and when we went there, um, we, I, was able, I was able to give President Obama a drawing that I made of a relay race where Tommy was the third runner passing the baton to a fourth runner. And, you know, in the Oval Office, we talked about, you know, civil rights and the struggle being multi-generational. You know, you can't you know, it's, it takes it's, it takes a coalition, it takes a lifetime, multiple lifetimes, um, and then and then a few weeks after our visit, President. Oh, actually, on the on the back of that drawing, Tommy wrote 
a wonderful inscription to President Obama. He wrote, I can only imagine the length of passage, but most importantly, the baton has not been dropped. Congrats on a magnificent eight. And then not two, three weeks after that for the DNC, President Obama got on stage for Hillary and he, he cited, you know, he said, now I'm going to be a private citizen. I'm going to pass the baton. And on CNN, he started talking about a relay. And, you know, I think we counted 12 speeches in the month after President Obama had said relays. And in the, in the movie, I said, well, we can't take credit for that. But it's definitely uh, not a coincidence that all that happened. But it was it was really all, <laughs> all about, you know, inspired by Tommy's notion of passing his his sacrifice forward. And it just seems so fitting that we have this baton now. And as I explained in the intro, uh, part of what I really love about this NFT technology is the fact that it is about passing these NFTs around. It's not just the transaction happens and it's done. Um, so much of, of the luster of this is is established around the secondary sales. And so was it just, I, I guess my next question, and this is for Jesse as well as Glenn and for Tommy, um, how did you all discover the the magic of NFTs and the ease of this technology to accomplish the things you want to do? And what was it that struck you and said, hey, this is we need to apply this to what we're working on here? Well, um, I, I would say I was I was I'm definitely a slow adopter to it. I had to have it explained to me many times, like probably other folks on, on the call. Same. And Glenn was Same. certainly a helpful, a helpful steward for me. Uh, I've been surrounded by art and uh, um, uh, appreciator of art for a long time. And it was hard for me in terms of the language around art to understand it. But when I zoomed out of that and got a sense of just being a, really the egalitarian nature of uh, a structure that is actually built with the artist's interests in mind and them being able to uh, benefit from the growth, appreciation, and success of their work, uh, that just fundamentally um, got me on board right away and kind of helped me just kind of open up my mind to its possibilities and then get a sense uh, of all the other mechanics that are in play. Um, so it's taken me some time. I'm still figuring it out. But um when you have when you have something that you know, I understand the intention behind it and the ability behind it and the inclusivity behind it. Um, then I can then I can kind of feel free enough to play around creatively. What about for you, Tommy? What about the technology really spoke to you? Well, from being from the sixties, being uh, as some of the young folks now who are looking at this uh, uh, on a scriptural basis, uh, Jesse just said that. He was a slow adapter to uh, the organization. Uh, I think we're all learning. That's why we're collaborating now of the fact that how far this is going to go because it's here now. And the uh, acceptance of it is mightily important. And uh, Jesse has pulled in fully. Thank you, Jesse. And others uh, out there who are also trying to understand uh, the adaptation of such a project uh, based off of, of course, uh, a legacy this new legacy team that uh, uh, Glenn was alluding to a few moments ago. Uh, it's hot, it's alive, it's, it's, it's broadening, and it certainly, certainly uh, can be adapted and fully uh, joined by other AFTs to do the job which uh, should have been done many time ago. So, so much of the narrative around NFTs, crypto, just tech in general, I feel like the history of tech has been centered one way and it's, it, it can feel very cold, robotic, unfeeling. Uh, it can feel very much profit oriented. And um, when we think of tech, we just, uh, for me at least, I, some, I, I always think about money and people getting rich. And I think that's really been uh, unfortunate in many ways in terms of marketing and branding and packaging in this space because um, the mindset around it is just like people are taking advantage of, of the situation. You know, everyone's being opportunist. Um, and so it's really important for projects like yours to get this attention and spotlight right now because we need to start changing. Like, what if by this time next year, when people mention that dirty word NFT, that they thought of it in benevolent means, right? Like they looked at it and said, Hey, like I love NFTs because of what they've done for the community, for underserved people, for uh, those who have lesser voices or, or lesser stages. 
Um, I wanted to swing real quick just to the topic of philanthropy, and we have Victor here to speak on it as well. Victor, even before we get to the topic of NFTs, and anyone else can address this on stage as well, um, what are some of the problems that plague modern-day philanthropy? And I guess, you know, if we want to lump activism and charity work in there as well, like what are some things that are frustrating that process and um, that we can do better with? Yeah, so I think, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a number of, of, of factors that make um, uh, philanthropy and fundraising really difficult. You know, I think um, we've all heard the stories of, of executive directors and, and executive teams of, uh, of philanthropies having to spend, you know, upwards of three quarters of their time, if not more, um, just chasing checks. Uh, and fundraising, which then takes them away from uh, the administrative portion of of, of getting the money, um, doing the work, and getting the money to the, the people that need it most, um, and that just adds to the administrative costs of, of, of things, right? Um, and you know when we, and and so you know, and even in, like in a political sense, when you hear about politicians talking about um, you know raising small dollar donations, right, like. You know those small dollar donations are are incredible when they start to to add up. What ends up happening is, you know, um, people uh, people that are trying to fundraise have to chase like large uh, large checks, um, and that just takes a lot of hand holding, a lot of time, uh, a lot of energy. Um, and so, you know, we like you know people in, in the philanthropy space end up just uh, just spending all their time doing that instead of doing the the actual work. I think that that to me is like one of the most the 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 the, the largest hurdles and systemic barriers to 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 um, uh, to doing good work. Yeah, I would I would just jump in and say, you know, having spent a lot of time, I've dedicated a lot of my life to helping nonprofits both, you know, start and in the art space and whatnot. And, you know, as you said, Victor, um, the fact that executive directors have to spend time chasing checks when, when in actuality they started those organizations because they care about passionately about exactly. what they're fighting for. And, and they're not trained as fundraisers. You know, they're trained as activists. They're trained as curators to start an art space or whatnot. And the fact that they're put in, in, in these positions to spend most of their time doing administrative work, you know, I think our application is to try to build an engine to at least reduce that load a little bit and buy a little bit more time for them to be on the street and doing their work. Yeah, Glenn, and I think you bring up a, a great point. It's like you know, uh, obviously the the ALS uh, ice bucket challenge was uh, was an incredible phenomenon, right? Um, it went viral. Uh, it went viral, and and uh, you know, like so much money was raised. Um, and so when I think about NFTs and 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 smart contracts and the and the mechanics that you all have built into Pass the Baton. Um, it just gets me really excited thinking about the flywheel that you, you, you that you're that you're you've effectively built um, by which microtransactions can can perpetuate for 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 in, for in perpetuity um, for um, the existence of, of of the of the project um, and and uh, and be a, like a, a sort of self fulfilling prophecy in terms of um, uh, uh, raising money uh, which with with each and every transaction. One of the best ways I saw it explained was, I think it's actually Jesse's quote uh, that it's a sustainable engine for philanthropy. Like those are, that's an impressive collection of words right there. It's a sustainable engine for philanthropy. Like that's the narrative that I would love to see NFTs are really woven around. Um, Jesse, I don't know if you wanted to add to that. Sorry, it clicked. No, I'm here. I clicked (laughs) off just for the last like two sentences. Uh, Just throw it back to me. Yeah, you you package this as a NFTs or this can be used as a sustainable engine for philanthropy for philanthropy. Right. I, I love the way that you had put that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you had any more to add to uh, what the NFTs, what this technology can allow us to do now in the philanthropy space. Or Glenn can answer that. Or Tommy. Oh, oh, sorry. My, I thought my, I was talking, but I had it muted. Um, um, I think what it does is um, viewing NFTs in the way we are, kind of adding kind of a revolutionary arm to it. Uh, it gives us a practical application of the theory that you can um, have fun, make money, and do good and be inclusive all at the same time, all with the same swing, all with the same amount of effort. 
and have good that. art. And great art. Um, I'm a, we can you can see some of these tweets that are being dropped above by the team. If you want to take a look at what they look like, they really do look like lightsabers, and I never uh, <laughs> realized how close in aesthetics they yeah. are with batons. <laughs> they're they're really dope, and be, to be able to be, I and mean, this is what Glenn and I do in the studio all the time with all of our projects is we're playing. We're how can we do something that's fun and dope and that attracts people and ideas that can grow in real time. That is kind of you know, and that, you know, and we talk about, you know, we've had a culture recently that plays with open source, open source information and technology. I mean, it's, it's all collaboration. These are all forms of sharing energy, sharing ideas, um, the, the subversive nature of kind of putting something out there uh, that is incomplete or that can, can is welcomed, welcomes new ideas that can be added. Um, you know, all these things are, uh, you know, the ingredients that we use in our soup in general. And I think that um, in the in the in the in the gold rush that we're seeing and kind of the NFTs and crypto can kind of feel very broy and feel like it's only for this kind of one group that's you know at light speed because they're starting on third base already and we don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Um, there, this you know finding new little access points and ladders to get in and realize oh actually we're totally equipped to be having this conversation. It just seemed like there was a really big rope outside, but now that we're inside, it's actually we can play here and be dope and be creative and have a lot of fun too. And actually, really uh, change the trajectory. So it's, it gives us a living example um, that we belong here, and that um, we can we have a we have a whole lot to offer. Like like we consistently prove time and time again. To piggyback off of that, Jesse was saying earlier how he came into the space feeling like he um, was just uninformed, and I think everyone has felt that way at some point in their NFT journey. It's because we've only mostly been doing it for the last year. And I'm the first one to admit, I still have absolutely no clue what's going on. But what I can say, what I do know is true, and Jesse just touched on it, is that we do all belong in the room. So if anyone is making you feel like you should be on the outside and excluded from this conversation, they're absolutely wrong. We need your voice in here and the tools and the information are accessible to all. We just need to break down some of these barriers to help onboard as much of our community as possible. These batons, you guys, these are, um, they're driving resources to 23 different organizations. Um, I want you to explain a little bit of how this collection works for those who don't know. They see the batons up there and there's 7,862 of them. Uh, what is the part of this where you are going to be able to actually start donating money to these different charities and organizations? Uh, there are, well, there are two exciting ways that that, that happens. You know, one is, um, you know, in, in the primary sale um, and in the secondary sale, the smart contract, um, which is, as uh, you know, for, for, for those who are new, the smart contract is a piece of software code that determines all the variables around an NFT transaction and sale. In this case, the smart, track, uh, smart contract for the batons um, channel the resources spent on the baton into the, the, um, the crypto wallets of the organizations um, that, that are listed on the baton. And each baton has uh, six names of activists with a total of 24 names. Uh, one, one organization benefits because they were chosen twice uh, from, from, from two different activists. Uh, but the smart contract for the primary sale and the secondary sale drives resources directly to those, um, you know, to those nonprofits. And then uh, once you own the baton, uh, on baton.art, there'll be a baton page. And this is also can be executed across, across the landscape because it's distributed. But um, on that page for your baton, uh, there's a direct donation uh, link uh, to, to, to be able to donate directly. And when that happens, after certain milestones, the batons, we've, we've built in both a rarity and a gamification where that as you donate more, the batons evolve in the first level um, with some smaller donations, they become bronze and then they become silver. 
and then they become gold at the highest level. And then once you get four gold batons, one from each team, you can burn them together and get what we're calling the legacy black on black baton that has all 24 names on it, plus Tommy's. Um, and then that baton, you know, comes with, and all the batons come with different level of utility. The black baton comes with the highest level of utility, meaning access to different events in the art world and the social justice space and, you know, communications directly with leaders and whatnot. And really, you know, it, it's not dissimilar to how major, you know, um, collaborators and patrons who work in the arts, you know, have been strong supporters. And so, you know, really, really, they, they evolve into becoming sim meaning, meaningful symbols of, of support. And what we love is the idea that, you know, in this sort of sometimes ambiguous, very oftentimes ambiguous world of cryptocurrencies to connect, you know, this abstract concept of value with real meaning value, um, is so powerful. And I, I tell the story that even on our team, you know, when, when we assembled a really great coalition from, from people working on it, from my studio team that Jesse knows really well to, to the Pace Gallery team, to the team over at Hashed in, in South Korea, you know, in the midst of building this project, you know, uh, Ben Crump, you know, won the, uh, with the Ahmaud Arbery case. And, and, and um, our team was like, oh my God, like he's on a baton, you know, and it really connected the stories of like what we're actually doing, who we're actually supporting. And, and so it made it very real. And so our hope is that this makes cryptocurrencies and, and just the, the, the value of this whole endeavor makes it real for everyone. I just think it's so brilliant. I'm, you know, Glenn, we've talked about this. This is the second time I've been having conversation with you just about the project and it's still mind blowing to me. I have like many questions just about the mechanics of this all and how you came up with it. Is this a project that you've been working on for like a year? There's it's, it's so complex, complex yet super simple. As far as what you're doing, it's like very easy to tell, especially through the vehicle of the baton. Like we can envision what that is right and so it's like reverse engineering it to me i'm like this is like a perfect project but how did that process even begin well i i've been saying that i've been practicing my entire career for this project and i say that because my entire career you know i've been i've been i've worked with activists and and supported social justice movements you know i've worked and done projects supporting the zapatistas in southern mexico and um you know i'm doing a project there's a project i have right up right now at mass mocha you know, um, with uh, inspired by a meeting I had with Jerry Adams and Sinn Féin years ago. And, you know, I've done that, done the work that wise. But even in the technology space, you know, my studio team, we created the first website ever for artists of color. Back when Yahoo was just a directory, you know, there, there was all primarily white male artists that used to be hired by these tech companies like Adobe to go do their quote unquote art websites. And there were no people of color there. And so I created the first website for Edgar Heap of Birds or we did Fred Wilson and Mel Chin and I would email Mason and I would email um, David Pilo and Jerry Yang and be like, yo, you do not have a website for Chinese American female artists. And they're like, oh, we'll make the category. And they would make the category and we would make the website. And, um, you know, so for a long time and then, you know, in my tech career, I was the chief creative officer of Napster 2.0 and Sean Fanning and I worked to sort of figure out legal music streaming or whatnot. And so, you know, I would say, for many years, I've worked in the intersection of art, politics, um, and technology. Um, and in each past, each generation, I was promised, the world's been promised, that equality, social justice, human rights would be part of that commitment to that change. And, and it, frankly, it hasn't happened. You know, and, and in Web 1.0, I did a talk at the MIT Media Lab, and everyone was like, oh, we're going to, race is not going to be an issue anymore. And, and nope. Um, it, it still is. And, and I think what, what is the commonality of all that is when these technological moments happened, not only was there no consideration to the inequality of access to the technology or the wealth inequality that was exacerbated by those technologies, you know, the, the, the people who had the power, you know, just didn't go in and say, hey, let's just create some fundamental rules in the transaction that provide for caring for our other you know, humans caring for other folks. And, and so when this project came in and I heard again, and what I've been saying is I also believe that uh, crypto, the blockchain is a fundamentally collaborative technology that it's not coincidental that in an era where facts and the truth are an all time contested moment that some technologists create a software that allows millions of people to collaborate that a fact is a fact. Like this is not a coincidence, you know? And so we're like, oh, why don't we begin to think about how to institute symbolic and then also practical rules in place so that when we build on this technology, 
we're building in our humanity. We're building in the caring of others into the technology. So it's been, it's in my whole life that actually got up to making it so simple. Victor, I want you to speak on your opinion of what the landscape of crypto and NFTs looks like and feels like to you now. And, um, and I guess how we can start changing a lot of what that narrative and image and representation looks like, because I, in speaking to my community, I hear this a lot, you know, a lot of people feel like they're left out. They've been intentionally left out of the room. Uh, they, they have no idea of how to get in. Um, and their impression of everything that's going on is it's a specific type of person. It's a specific class of person, wealth and education. Um, well, none of that is really true. Um, I remember early in the year when you were getting in and some of the thoughts that you're being vocal about just as far as what this space looked like. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, there is this, this sort of, I mean, if you ask folks that are in the space, they'll say like NFTs and Web3 is, is as much a technology as it is an ethos, right? And, and part of that ethos is around accountability and transparency um, and, uh, and, um, uh, and, and just accessibility and equity. Um, but, uh, you know, most of the examples that we're seeing in this sort of broader narrative about the technology is, is, um, uh, d- doesn't quite live up to that promise yet. Right. Uh, and I think the, you know, I think the, all the, the, the sort of good work and the good applications that people like Glenn and Jesse and Tommy are doing and the folks over at Etched, for example, and, and the various, um, you know, projects and experiments that, that, that are trying to do good in the space, you know, is overshadowed by this larger narrative um, about, you know, people paying a million dollars for a cartoon ape JPEG. Right. Uh, and so that's obviously exciting. And that's that is one of the uh, one of the like the very many facets of blockchain technology and NFT specifically. Um, but uh, but, you know, and, and, and as a result, what ends up happening is like when, you know, the, the, the sort of the mainstream hears about these stories, it's easy to dismiss it. It's easy to write off as, as frivolous. And especially if you're doing truly important work um, uh, like in, in activism or, uh, or government or, um, uh, or advocacy or in this case philanthropy, right? It may seem, it all may seem a little frivolous to you if, if you allow yourself to be caught up in, in, that, um, in that sort of mainstream narrative. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we've all, we were all there. The, the, the most fascinating thing is that we, we're all old enough to remember what it was like trying to convince people then uh, of the importance of social media, right. And how so many people panned it, um, panned it as, as, as something silly and frivolous and it will never be a, a, a serious uh, communication channel. And, and, you know, fast forward a, a decade, a decade and a half and, and look at us now, right. Uh, where, you know, we we're on a Twitter spaces uh, on a platform of 300 million people um, who are, um, uh, who are communicating with each other. Like I think, uh, Dennis Crowley said it the other day, uh, yesterday, is that like Twitter is like the 2D metaverse. Um, and, and, and we know the importance of this. Um, you know, I think all of us here that have been spending time in the space over the past, you know, uh, a year to a couple years, like we, we all fundamentally believe that Web 3.0, uh, like NFTs and blockchain, uh, is the, the biggest paradigm shift in the internet since social media. Uh, and, you know, right now, uh, Bobby, you brought it up and alluded to it earlier is that, you know, right now it is being sort of, uh, 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 co-opted by the opportunists and the market makers and, 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 you know, what we call whales and, and whatnot, um, who are creating, setting this narrative, but it, it takes the people like Glenn and, and, and Tommy and, and Jesse and, and others, uh, to, to, to be willing to jump in and experiment, uh, the, the platform, uh, innately is democratic, um, as democratic as let's just say uh, your 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 access to um, a computer, uh, a computer and uh, and um, an internet, right? Uh, and so you know the barrier to entry is 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 is, is technically can be low, um, but there there's still hurdles to be had um, to be overcome to 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 gain a certain level of fluency in it um, to allow people to. Um, 
to, to really truly partake and fulfill the promise of equity uh, and accessibility. Uh, and Bobby, too, I think to your point, uh, like if anybody is, is making you feel like you don't belong, like it's, it's absolutely, it's, it's antithetical to the very ethos of, of Web 3.0 and, and, and the decentralization uh, of, of the internet. Jesse and Tommy and Glenn as well, how did you decide on the organizations to work with? And you said that these batons are named after six different activists. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, those individuals as well? Yeah. So you want to lead? uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I'll I'll jump in. Um, Yeah, the teams, there's four teams, and each team has uh, six um, six different names uh on them and and really you know i i i give a lot of credit you know the, to uh, a woman named joteka Edie, who has a team that really helped us um reach out and manage all these relationships that are that are that are really you know wonderful and um you know the the, the best out there doing it um you know it started out with us kind of envisioning um you know what a legacy team would be and you know tommy and myself and delois um, and, and Buzz from our team in, in Tommy's Kitchen in, in Las Vegas, uh, you know, writing down a list of names and, and thinking about, you know, who who would be who would be great. And, and, and obviously many of them, if not all of them, are, are, are good friends of Jesse. Um, and so we got together and just started making phone calls. And then, um, as it turns out, everyone wanted to be, be a part of it. So we tried to make sure that we were diverse in scale. So we have large organizations, um, NAACP, you know, uh, we wanted to make sure that we had um, national organizations, advancement project, you know, uh, uh, color of change, you know, but also, you know, small local organizations uh, as well, the Underground Museum uh, in LA, you know, education leaders of color, um, you know, when with black women, you know, for, for Joteca. And so, you know, we really wanted to make sure that we, we, you know, diversified and you know practice what we preached in terms of making sure that we had a you know a, a very diverse group of people that we were supporting and um and uh, and then divided them under teams that were all words from the way tommy has described his salute he's described it as team unity so we have team unity we have team power team strength and team togetherness all things that even in our film he describes as what the salute meant um and so that's how we sort of came up with the names for the teams I love that. I'm going to jump real fast to Sandy from the Annie Bomb Squad. Sandy's going to explain how you can collect your Poe app for today's show. Sandy? Hey, everyone. I actually have two announcements today, but we'll start with the Poe app. Um, so in the Twitter spaces, we do have a bunch of pinned tweets. I recommend that you go ahead and click on every single one of these. There's a ton of great information for Pass of the Time. Um, so if you, please, by all means, go ahead and do that. Um, but if you swipe to the fourth tweet that is pinned, we do have a POAP for those that are unfamiliar on what that is. A POAP is sort of like a ticket stub, like when you go to the movies or go to the concert and you have this physical thing to prove that you were there. That is exactly what a POAP is. And it's technically an NFT, so you don't have an NFT. This could be your first one. Um, so go ahead and hit on that tweet, fill out the form. You do need a special redemption code. The code is iconic in honor of the kind of the iconic photo um, from the Olympics, that photo, I mean, I've seen that photo everywhere since I was in school. So iconic is a code, fill out the platform. And for announcement number two, which is also pinned, um, Pass the Baton is actually giving away these beats um, by Dre. There's some beats sweepstakes. I want to say they're a special edition as well. So it is the first pinned tweet. Um, please go ahead and retweet that for a chance to win that giveaway. Um, yeah, go ahead and do those two things for a chance. There's a there's a third announcement actually. We're on a green list. Is that right? We are on a green list. That is correct. So um, I believe I'm gonna pass pass the speaking to pass the baton. I could probably give us more information on how we get on this green green list. Let's hear it. Pass the baton. Go for it, Matt. You on there? Well, oh, go ahead, man. What's up, y'all? <laughs> uh, I will make a tweet right now, actually. The first 200 people who fill out the form will get on our green list, which will get you reserve entry into our pre- pre-sale, which is happening tomorrow 
uh, at 7 a.m. Pacific. So uh, I will be a pinned tweet in one second, and then first 200 people who uh, fill it out. Thank you. And thank you for everyone on the on the on the Beats headphones. Tommy and I made those, and we were we gifted them to the NBA two years ago in the finals when um, LeBron wore them a few times, and it was sort of a a, a personal victory that uh, to have Shaq and Kenny and them talk about it at halftime. But uh, we've never given them away, given a pair away, and so there's uh, I think one left, and so so we we wanted to bring it to the hundreds of the bomb squad. Oh my gosh! Thank you so much. <laughs> thanks, Clint and Tommy. That's amazing. And I think we had thirty-five thousand people ask for them after something. We had thirty-five thousand requests <laughs> after, and like we literally made like three hundred. <laughs> and, and there's like two oh. so you got one for me and one for you. Tommy, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Let's keep working. Sounds very, very. Good, well adapted, sweet, as some use, dope, tasty, smooth. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Collaboration is unimaginable. <laughs> I love it, Tommy. Um, I do you and Glenn mind walking us through what's happening tomorrow morning as far as uh, oh. the pre-mint goes, just for people who are a little bit unfamiliar with how this works. Yeah, so tomorrow morning um, at, at 7 a.m. Pacific, uh, if you go to baton.art, the pre-mint page will be there and you'll be able to, um, if, you, if, you, we've, if we have your um, address on our, on our um, green list, uh, which we're closing right after this call, I mean, you know, tonight after this call, after, um, Twitter space, uh, then you'll be able to mint the uh, uh, baton in pre-sale. And then we, we shut that down and we go to public mint at uh, 7 a.m. on Friday. Um, as nfts oh sorry go ahead tom sorry tommy i didn't know if i interrupted you there no you're fine you're fine okay um okay so uh, i was just gonna uh, uh talk about you know as nfts get louder and web3 the topic grows I've been seeing an equally uh, more vehement response and rebuttal against it from many different ways. You know, people saying these are a scam, this is money laundering. There's a really strong and veritable um, eco argument um, for it. And and um, obviously, it's if it's not clear already, I'm very bullish on this technology, this movement, uh, what this new Internet is going to look like. And I believe that we need to do this to get to a better place to where we can address these issues and actually resolve a lot of them. Like we're going to have to invest in that, in that technology now. And so I was just curious um, from your perspectives, because you're launching a project that is entirely human forward, well-intentioned and oriented around charity and philanthropy. And um, going up against a lot of these voices, I don't know if you're hearing them. And if you are, uh, what is your response and feeling about it? Because I know a lot of amazing individuals like yourselves who do great work and they do the work, but they're very hesitant to get into this space because of fear of feeling canceled or, uh, you know, less or more they feel ill-equipped to share the conversation or to stand up for the things that they're believing in. And it, it kind of bums me out, to be honest, because I think that we are making very slow progress in this um, philanthropy-minded space of NFTs and what we can steer this conversation towards. We're, we're, we're moving slower than we should because those people are afraid of uh, whatever that backlash might be. So Glenn, like, what do you have to say uh, on that subject and, and what kind of encouragement can you give to them? Cause I know many of them are listening right now. Uh, well, thank you. That's a really good question. And indeed we, we spent a lot of time thinking about that um, uh, before initiating this project. And, and there are a couple of ways that we like to, uh, that I've been talking about this and they all, they all are layered. So there's not a simple answer. Um, but I think the biggest answer I can say is we cannot speak in absolutes. We can speak in trajectories. And, and, and so two things are happening in this project simultaneously that we believe. One is we definitely wanted to create a moment and use the technology, as Jesse said, to create a sustainable engine. By the way, Jesse texted me. He has to go. Yeah, he's, he's sort of out right now, and, and he, he, uh, 
you know, it's 4 a.m. where he's at right now. So he was, he was really um, we were happy, <laughs> totally. happy for him to join us. But, yeah, yeah so, I was very uh, grateful so, that he was there. <laughs> especially he stayed for as long as he did. But um, no, but so two things. One is, is certainly, you know, from a conceptual angle, and we've talked about this a, a bit already, you know, we wanted to make sure that we were um, both symbolically and practically entering the space in a meaningful way um, that would use, you know, the fun and the uh, you know, a speculative part to, to help generate and, as Jesse said, you know, create a sustainable engine for philanthropy. You know, on the eco side, I just call back to the, because we've spoken about this a lot, I've called back to all of my experience in technology and particularly one, um, you know, I guess sad, but, but very important uh, example um, that I that I use, which was uh, a friend of mine named Danny Lewin, created a company called Akamai um, at a time where the internet, before streaming, was very prevalent. And and there, you know, not the same argument, uh, but a similar argument about the investment costs, the ecological cost of streaming, of bandwidth, you know, of electricity, of computing. Um, and and in the old days before before Akamai, you know, when when something like a Netflix or any big popular website, ESPN, they would have to you know, have server farms and all that traffic from those companies that were to, to everyone around the world who wanted to get it had to come from a server. You know, and Danny uh, invented caching, which allowed for most of that bandwidth to to not be used because local copies at different local areas were able to, you know, uh, cache the, the content and create copies of it locally so that instead of coming all the way across country, let's say if a server was in New York and a customer was in California, instead of having the bandwidth go all the way through the States, it would just go from like LA to wherever it was at, you know, and that, that revolutionized the internet. And, and, you know, many people credit Danny for saving um, the internet or, or, or allowing multimedia to happen. He unfortunately passed flying out to come see me in 9-11. Um, but but uh, you know he made a major contribution into saving uh, the internet in terms of like an ecological perspective and an investment capital perspective. And what I've been saying is, you know, our generation, the generation we're sitting through now, you know, especially us, myself, older, who have been in this for a while, we've lived through like the invention of, of, of blockchain. But there are kids who are growing up right now that it is not a new invention. It's a de facto way of being. It's a it's a way of thinking that they are growing up with. And in some junior and high school's brain right now is the solution to a large scale ecological issue about computing in general and about electricity consumption in general and about fuel consumption in general because they have that thinking. I was on a, on a, on a Discord chat with friends with benefits, the DAO, and I said, you know, the next generation of political leaders are going to come from DAOs because they're born and they're growing up with this notion of distributed accountability and transparency where our leadership was born in staid political systems that literally electoral college was created from people who were like riding by on a horse saying, wow, that guy's got four votes. There's a lot of people over there, you know, and, and now we have all this stuff. And, and so, you know, if, if a DAO can shape the minds of, of, of how we think about leadership and governance, you know, and, and, and crypto and the blockchain can think, you know, shape the way we think about data and truth, you know, that then certainly there are huge obstacles in front of us, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where, we're not going to be the arbiter, you know, of, of, of which cause is more important, um, you know, so can we utilize technologies in ways that help on the street while also actively trying to find solutions? And hopefully I think the key of all this stuff, the key of like even, you know, all, all, everyone on this call, the hundreds, you know, um, all we're trying to do is put together role models that people think are exciting and dynamic uh, and then hopefully inspire the next generation to come in and, and, and lead with us. I love that. Victor, do you have something to add to that? I feel like you do. Victor, I feel like you could add something amazing to that. What do you think? Sorry, Bobby. I thought I was on mute. Um, I was grinning ear to ear listening to Glenn say, say all that. Like, you know, it is there. There's such a massive opportunity here for activists and advocates and people interested in government um, to bring, uh, to, to experiment, uh, in this space, um, because, uh, 
there there it, it can be so accessible um, and I understand there's a lot of technical aspects of it that make it uh, a little bit challenging but I highly encourage everybody that's listening here if you're even remotely curious about nfts uh, and web 3 or blockchain hop into any discord whether that's pass the baton or Adam bomb squad uh, and and ask questions um, don't be afraid to ask questions because uh, it is generally a very helpful community and there are aficionados that um, that will be Glad to speak uh, to to you about it and 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 help walk uh, walk you through it. I think everybody that has dabbled in NFTs has peppered a friend uh, or twenty uh, with a million different questions, uh, and and that person has likely gladly asked uh, um, uh, answered all of them. And if they didn't know um, that that actually probably means that the the answer doesn't exist yet because we are so so early that we are literally building the space. And I know it feels like warp speed and that that you're late to the party but that's only because social media exists now uh and information travels faster we're able to learn a lot more quickly um but i promise you we are whatever predated friendster that is the phase that we are in uh in terms of nfts right now uh and you know you know as much as the opportunists and 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 the, the finance folks and and the people that and and the sort of tech, technically savvy folks are jumping in uh, and there is this gold rush, as Jesse called it. You know, we need we need everybody to jump in on this uh, and and you know, pardon the expression, but fuck around and find out. Uh, and we and there's an opportunity here to experiment um, because the stakes are actually uh, quite low. Uh, and again, there's a, a whole community of people that are um, that are very um, incentivized to make your project or your experiment successful. Uh, and we need civically minded people, um, social justice minded people, human rights minded people to jump into the space um, to create the stories, uh, to create the stories um, that that are going to um, that are going to to uh, uh, overtake the ones that are that are that are hyper capitalistic right now. Uh, and you know, I know you know there's a number of activists that are listening to this, and and I think what I'm most excited about is is using blockchain blockchain technology to um to organize communities like you know if you've spent any little bit of time listening uh listening to uh nft twitter or, or spaces or whatever the case may, may be you've heard the you know the word community used over and over and over and over again and if uh and if commute if uh if the like you know, the quintessential example of community is is is, is the work that advocates and, and activists are doing on the ground uh, and this is just going to be one more tool in their uh, in their toolkit um, to be able to, to galvanize um, support for um, for progress. Uh, and I think that's going to be most exciting. But we need people to start to tinker with it because uh, Anil Dash actually, you know, had a really great um, uh, um, uh, thread today uh, uh, addressing the criticism that, that, um, that web three is, is getting. Uh, and one of those things is like, you know, although that we're hearing all these stories about like the, like, you know, people talking about gains and, and flipping this and flipping that and making a bunch of money, right? Like the under, the underlying technology, if you can, if you can invest time and energy into understanding it, the underlying technology is, is, is up for grabs. Um, and, we need people that that uh, with intention um, and and with good intentions uh, to to take advantage of it, learn it, uh, and then and then use it for for good. Speaking of social justice minded people, I invited Will up here, Will Exham, who uh, is part of our family, but also has done some really really amazing work over the last couple of years, um, especially with regards to stop Asian hate. Uh, Will I? He, we were just talking about um, how you wanted to share the lack of financial incentive to do the activist work and how NFTs can address this. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of uh, to be an activist or to be civically engaged. It's uh, it's a bit of a luxury, you know, um, it's it's unsexy work. It's uh, uh on you know not uh, compensated well if at all you know i've been volunteering full time for two whole years uh depleted all of my savings maxed out my credit uh, but you know had to do something uh 
in regards to the you know the anti-Asian like hate and violence that uh, many of us were facing across the country, uh, not just across the country, but you know uh, it's a kind of a global phenomenon, and uh, it's hard. It's really hard, you know, when um, you know, especially Asian Americans who were hard, you know, the harshest faced with uh, uh, unemployment through the pandemic. Uh, it's hard to ask even like, hey, you know, I, I, you know, I need something to stay, a place to stay or um, funds for uh, travel, uh, food or whatever. Um, and it's uh, I've burnt out so many times over uh, the past couple of years uh, to the point where I'm like, OK, I need to figure something out. And um, really, it was uh, reading your essay, you know, The Street Doesn't Exist, where I found like, wow, this is technology that's not for the future, but it's here right now. And, you know, this can provide a lot of, uh, I guess, the, the equality that we all seek for, uh, you know, the barriers to entry I think we've spoken about here earlier is so low. Um, and, but it's just a matter of like really education and overcoming a lot of the fear, uncertainty and doubt about the space. And, um, you know, I, I can, I'm so appreciative of, uh, Victor, Glenn, pass the baton, Tommy, uh, and the other gentleman that left earlier, uh, because, you know, this is, you know, this is a whole new world. It's the wild, wild west where we can create the world that we want. And um, it's uh, it's infinite and vast. And uh, sure, there's going to be a lot of uh, the uh, paradigms from the old world that are going to come into it. But it's up to us to uh, make the voices of positivity, equality, uh, just a lot louder and we can do so, uh, you know, with the space. There, there's just so much opportunity. Thanks so much, Will. Uh, we're going to start winding it down. Uh, these shows are only an hour long and I feel like we've taken so much of Tommy's time already and Glenn's. Uh, but uh, one last time, Sandy, do you want to talk about the POAP uh, just so we make sure everyone has it? Yes, of course. So if everyone would like to check the pin tweets up up front, um, go ahead and swipe a couple of bit down and there is a pull-up that is pinned up there. Um, for anyone that did miss it at the beginning, um, pull-ups are um, proof of protocol somewhere along that line. But what it means, it's a digital proof that you were at a certain spot at this time. Um, so to prove that you were here in this Twitter space, just go ahead and fill out that form. The redemption code is iconic. So fill in iconic, fill out the form, and you will receive your pop by the end of the week. Um, what it, the form does is basically allowing you to get on this green list for this form, and then we will post the link to claim, and you will have your NFT for being here. We also have to mention uh, Tommy and, and Glenn are giving away these Beats by Dre headphones, which was like incredibly gracious. Um, thanks so much to them and um, Glenn and Tommy. Let's any last words. Tomorrow is the big moment here. Uh, yeah, no, I would just say thank you. Um, you know, Bobby. I, I, and by the way, I just want to shout out. I see the first person I ever followed on Twitter here, Lisa Ling. I see you. Uh, but but uh, yeah, no, I, I want to thank everyone for being here. Um, you know, really, it means it means so much for us. And, and, you know, the legacy team is not just the names on the baton. You know, Joteka says it best when she says, you know, we all have a baton that we carry uh, every day. You know, and the impact that we have as people, how we spend our time, how we spend our resources, you know, how we dedicate our lives. You know, that's the baton that we have and we hold while we're running, um, but that we have a chance to pass, you know, to our friends, to our family, to the next generation. And, you know, to watch, you know, this morning we did a talk with, you know, Tommy and Until Freedoms and Tamika, Tamika Mallory and, and Linda. And it was really fantastic to watch this multi-generation coalition um, to, to fight for equality and, and just to further what Tommy's sacrifice is all about. So um, with that, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it to Tommy to have the, have the last word about uh, about all this. Hey, thank you, Glenn. Thank you, Glenn. As, as always, let us uh, continue the, uh, the newness of life and uh, reach out of your closed box and find out. Tommy, with all the gems, um, I, one of the, my favorite things that you said today, Tommy, was don't drop it, keep it moving. 
And um, I feel like there's so many parallels, right, to yeah. NFTs, to Web three, to to your sport and your your life. I mean, oh, oh, yeah. oh of course, of course. Uh, my life started uh, uh, a few years ago, reaching out, passing batons, and finding out and connecting with others, uh, collaboration. And I'm just so grateful now that Glenn caught on to uh, my newness and made life much, much more uh, plausible to be a part of. Thank you so much, Tommy. And thank you, Glenn. It's past the baton. The pre-sale is tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, follow past the baton on Twitter. It's just past the baton. And baton.art is the website you want to visit if you want to learn more. It's all well explained there, better than I could ever do in an hour of talking. I want to thank you, uh, Glenn Kano, Tommy Smith. I really think Jesse, Jesse Williams is here and uh, woke up in the middle of the night just to do a spaces. I've, that takes real conviction and commitment, and that's how much he believes in this. Um, thank you to Victor, VNL, and Will, who joined us late. Um, Lisa Ling, who's in the room. Tyler, the creator, was in the room by the way. Um, and so I don't know if anyone caught that, but Tyler was here. And I, I just, you know, I'm going to start it. I'm going to end it like I started it. I, I would love to get to a place right now where NFTs and what that word means, what metaverse and Web3 decentralization, all these really buzz, buzzy words that people are throwing around. I, I, I want to get to a place where they hold a different impression in a year from now where people aren't immediately thinking money, cash grabs, people aren't immediately thinking of a tech thing or a finance thing. And um, we can start imagining it in, in, in other ways, in ways that are beneficial to society that give back to culture, to give to communities, to raise voices. And I think this project Pass the Baton is really exemplary um, of what can be. And, uh, we want a very successful job here because not just for the wonderful people in the room that are doing the work and, uh, and deserve it all. It's not, it's not just about that. And it's not just about the organizations who are going to benefit from this as well. I think it's more just about the future of what all of this can really represent. Right. And so um, here's to, you know, six months from now, here's to a year from now or five years, 10 years from now that we can look back and say, you know, this was a significant inflection point in the timeline of what NFTs were. And this was a moment that um, we all recognized was was when the voice and the tone just started to change. And so like, let's do that together. Uh, don't drop it, keep it moving, pass that baton uh, tomorrow morning. And thanks again, everyone. I'll see you next week.